My name is Anthony Fatsis and welcome to the What The Finance podcast, where we interview finance, trading, investing experts to help you understand current market trends and learn about the intricacies of new and existing assets. Hello and welcome What The Finance to another episode of the What The Finance podcast, where we talk to experts to help gain a greater understanding about what has happened in the world of finance, investing and market, markets. On today's podcast, I'm happy to welcome Mario Inetro. has this YouTube channel, which is the home of alternative economics and contrarian views. So Mario, thanks for joining the podcast today. Are you welcome? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So uh, for anyone who hasn't seen your videos, which um, you know, probably it's probably not too many, uh, can you please give an overview about your current thoughts and what is really happening in the world and you know where it's leading us to? Yeah, my uh, view is that uh, we are and we have been in like an inflationary path since 1971. And if you want to go back even further, since World War One, when most of Europe went off the gold standard and never really got back into it uh, until after World War II when the U.S. uh, instituted the Bretton Woods Agreement. That collapsed in 71. And then we've had many crises uh, in between. The worst uh, one was 08. And uh, I I think we're still in the 08 crisis. (laughs) Some people think uh, it's over, but uh, I just read today that the the Bank of England's uh, balance sheet, all its uh, guilts are uh, accruing uh, a lot of losses, like 188 billion. They have an agreement. Uh, The people who do the QE for the Bank of England is a separate company, uh, but they have an agreement with the Treasury that the Treasury, they'll take profits from QE, but they'll also bail out the the Bank of England uh, limited company that does QE when they lose money. So and we saw recently as well in the U.S., uh, the Biden administration bailed out the central state's pension fund to the tune of $36 billion. Some people think it's going to cost $90 billion. I just saw today that uh, Jeremy Hunt said he's going to extend help for companies uh, in the energy market uh, past April next year. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, once you get into this inflationary path, uh, the only way that it ends if, is if you stop the inflation, and I don't think they want to stop it. Uh, the other way is the currency eventually will collapse because there's be too much currency. And I think that's the path we're going down. And that's, of course, called hyperinflation, uh, which has happened many times in the past. Some people seem to think it's not possible to happen here in the UK, US, or Europe, but it's uh, it's kind of the... It's kind of the uh, rule and not the exception. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you mentioned that you think we've been in this sort of cycle since, I guess, 71 and even earlier. Um, I guess a lot of people might disagree because they'd say, you know, inflation has decreased over that time. We've had years of deflation. I guess what's your answer to Mm. people who say that? I have never, you know, uh, when you, first of all, I would say, you need to know the right definition of inflation, which is the increase in the uh, supply of currency and credit. And uh, in the fiat currency system, which we've been under since 71, um, the flip side of uh, the currency is the national debt, because the more debt there is, the more currency there is around, because usually that's how a lot of the currency comes into existence. Uh, I think the people you're talking about who say we've had deflation, 
uh, I guess their view of deflation is when the CPI is negative. But do you remember the last time CPI was negative? I don't. I think the last time CPI was negative uh, was back in the 1930s in the US. And if you look at gold, which is really uh, a reflection uh, of the strength of a currency, in 1971, uh, $35 would buy you an ounce of gold. And now you need uh, almost 1800 at the moment. It's come off a little bit to buy an ounce. That means that um, uh, the dollar buys a lot less. It used to buy 135th of an ounce. Now it buys 1,800th of an ounce. Uh, and the for the pound, is even worse. So no, I, I don't think uh, uh, we've had deflation. We, we've had a massive uh, bout of inflation. Uh, and um, some people... We'll say also that the the QE that was started in 08 did not cause inflation, but it depends what you look at. Uh, asset asset prices inflated, but and even consumer prices, even before 2020 and the uh, lockdowns, um, we we were we were seeing prices rise. We were already seeing shrinkflation. It's just uh, been exacerbated now. So that's how I, I answered that question. Yeah, it's really interesting, as you said there in 2008, and I guess 2020, you think it's that's just sort of amplified the QE and the, as you mentioned before, sort of the the money circulating throughout the system, the debt, and that sort of led us to this path where it's going to amplify the potential currency crisis in the future. Yeah, because uh, unfortunately in the fiat currency system, uh, the currency is issued through uh, debt, either through uh, a commercial bank when you borrow money to buy a house, they issue a mortgage, and they credit your account. That creates uh, currency out there. Um, and also when the uh, central bank, no, sorry, the treasury or the government issues gilts or US treasuries, uh, investors buy those issues and the, the treasury's account is credited with currency and they spend that. And uh, the problem is that uh, in a fiat currency and debt-based monetary system, when you issue a debt, you only you don't issue enough to pay the interest on that debt. So there's always you always have to keep issuing more. Have you noticed how, like uh, all the countries in the world now, UK, US, uh, Europe, um, they're up to here in debt, and when a lot of their uh, debt issuance uh, comes. Uh, matures, they they do pay that off, but they pay it off by issuing new debt. So they can't stop it. Uh, if they stop, uh, there will be a major uh, collapse of the economy. The, uh, the political uh, system will collapse and there will be riots in the street. Uh, no one will have any currency to buy food. Uh, and uh, politicians don't want that because they, they, they think very short term. And that's why I think it's almost impossible that we're going to have a collapse like that, which people might want to call deflationary. But even in a deflationary collapse, uh, when the uh, everything implodes, uh, companies, governments, everyone goes bankrupt. Everyone that has a debt goes bankrupt. The only thing really left is real money that has no counterparty risk. And that's historically gold and silver or anything of value that's physical that you can barter. So 
I see a very little chance that we will uh, get out of this because the debt is getting bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, that's all central bankers and politicians uh, know how to do is to keep inflating and printing. Yeah, that, that's super interesting and a, a bit scary to, to think about. So, you know, you mentioned there that once we experience this currency crisis, we'll see hyperinflation. Are there any sort of catalysts that you're watching? Obviously, you think we're on the on track at the moment. Is anything that you think will happen before this massive crisis? Well, we've seen in countries like uh, Lebanon, uh, Turkey, and even now uh, in Egypt. I spoke about Egypt this morning in my video. Uh, the currency is already collapsing. Uh, I would say for hyperinflation, uh, there are symptoms that you can look at. And uh, how do I know about these symptoms? Well, looking back through history, like uh, with the fiat money inflation in France, like in the 1790s, you had a uh, uh, political upheaval, which was the French Revolution. Uh, you had a lot of debt. You had, uh, yes, uh, the society was like uh, in shambles because the money was bad as well. They were printing the assignats. And the same thing uh, in 1923. Uh, it's usually related to uh, a war and a lot of debt. In, in France, the war had been like the uh, seven, the French-Indian War in North America. That indebted uh, the French monarchy a lot. In Germany, it had been World War One. It indebted Germany a lot. And then you had the collapse of the the German Empire, the uh, czar, not the Tsar, the, the Kaiser abdicated. There was political upheaval in Germany. Uh, they had the reparations. Instead of taxing people during the war, they, they were just issuing debt and just borrowing. And then they, uh, they kept uh, inflating uh, the Germans. And uh, there's a lot of symptoms. Like uh, when the currency collapses, you see the morals and the the way people behave becomes less and less, um, how can I say, I don't want to be too <laughs> righteous, but uh, you see a lot of crazy things that we're seeing today. You're seeing a lot of political upheaval and division today as well. Monetary uh, problems with uh, CPI going through the roof. Uh, yeah, it's all related. What will trigger it? It's difficult to say, but in Germany, uh, I think it was in the summer of 1922 that it really started. Uh, it was triggered, even though the the hyperinflation had been germinating, let's say since 1914. So from 1922 to the end of 23, that's when it happened. It happened very quickly, and it can happen out of out of the blue. Um, but uh, one thing I would say: a lot of the symptoms and the uh, seeds have been planted for it. Uh, it's difficult to to tell you. I don't have a crystal ball what will trigger it, but I, I think uh, once it's triggered, we will know what that trigger has been. Yeah, definitely, it will stand out. And you know, you mentioned before about refinancing of debt, and that's really how we pay off current debt. And I talked to someone recently who said that uh, the average, I think, the debt outstanding is at on average five years, and every year they have to refinance seventy trillion dollars. Which is just <laughs> impossible to keep doing, as you yeah. said, without actually, yeah, printing their own currencies. The other, the other thing that's happening now, because up until uh, the the end of last year, for example, when stocks and bonds were were rising, real estate was rising, 
it's very easy to keep indebting yourself because uh, let's say you buy a house for five hundred thousand. Uh, you uh, get a two hundred fifty thousand pound mortgage, and that house goes to seven fifty one million. And that has been happening for the last twenty five years. But when and then you can maybe sell that house, buy a smaller one, pay off your debt. But now it's going the other way, not just for mortgages, but for the stock market, uh, for government bonds, and as I said earlier, the Bank of England has a huge loss on its uh, balance sheet. So yeah, it, it's getting to the point where it's going to be very hard to uh, carry that debt. And unless they start inflating again, everything is going to implode. Yeah, everyone's going to have basically negative equity because of <laughs> all this money they owed for assets that are a lot less yeah. than they were when they bought them. Yeah, exactly. So you don't buy the, because uh, obviously the CPI was released a few days ago. Uh, in the US, it went down. Everyone was excited. You don't buy the fact that it's going to keep going down. Um, well, the CPI is actually rising. It's the rate of increase that dropped. <laughs> and I, I would say that uh, I spoke to Rafi Farber the other day on my channel, and he said that the, the food and, and house components like rents are still going up. And the, the CPI is highly doctored, and it's still rising at like 7.1%. And it's just a consequence of inflation, the CPI, it's rising prices. And if you look at the money supply, M2, uh, since I think the middle of this year, it's actually been going down. So we, we've actually had uh, what I really call deflation. And despite that, prices are still rising. So can you imagine when um, the central banks decided it's time to get things going again? Prices are going to rise even more. But unfortunately, uh, with the mainstream economic uh, like uh, class and uh, mainstream uh, economic writers, politicians, uh, they don't look at these details. They just look at the CPI because they want people to stay in the system because uh, with the government with so much to hold the currency, because if the currency is losing so much value, uh, and they hold it, uh, the debt gets written off. Uh, what they don't want people to do is get out of the system because that will trigger, because that's what hyperinflation is when people lose faith and confidence and they want anything but the currency. And I think that will happen, of course. But um, yeah, I don't buy this thing that uh, inflation now is under control. And by inflation, of course, I mean the rising uh, prices of uh the things that we need to survive on, like food, energy, uh, shelter, that's going to keep going, I think. Yes, maybe uh, house prices, uh, prices of uh, fine watches and even houses will go down. But but uh, what you really need, I guess, to survive is uh, food, energy, and um, and also shelter. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned gold and silver before, I guess, precious metals, and they will potentially be the uh, new system that's uh, created or part of the new system is created. Do you believe it'd be sort of a Bretton Woods 2.0 or maybe a CBDC? Would they be maybe interlinked? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to speculate on it. I, I think uh, it's difficult to say what's going to happen. It's almost impossible. Uh, but uh, you see other countries that are preparing, you know, the BRICS countries, uh, anyone that's not related to NATO in the West, 
they're, they're loading up on gold because they know the the writing is on the wall. Uh, what I would say to people is that not to worry about what system we're going to get. Just protect uh, your savings by having a, a little bit of gold and silver. Uh, that's, I, I think, uh, trying to say whether we're going to have a Bretton Woods 2.0 or, or not is difficult. Ideally, uh, I wouldn't want to have any conferences <laughs> between major powers uh, basically just let the market take care of itself, but uh, uh, we'll have to see. Um, hopefully uh, they won't. Uh, CBDC, I mean, some people think CBDCs could be a bad thing in terms of personal liberty. Some people think it's okay. It's just better technology. But uh, the if they bring in CBDCs and the system, after the system collapses, they will have to back that CBDC buy some kind of monetary asset like gold and silver. Uh, so because they might try to uh, just say, oh, it's a new currency, it's it's good. But if they back it by nothing, I think it, it might work for a year or two. And then people realize, well, this is just as worthless as the previous system we had. Yeah, it's all about trust. And once people lose trust in the first system, it's they're going to have a little patience for that next system that it comes through. That's right. And they have to make sure that, you know, people can trust that. So they have to change everything. And uh, that would entail uh, uh, government becoming a lot smaller, people uh, not wanting everything from the government. <laughs> we, we still have this philosophy that the government should help. Uh, here in the UK, if you look at the polls, apparently uh, Labour could win like uh, with a 300 seat majority the next general election. Would Labour want to bring in small government and sound money? I don't think so, but they, they might be forced to uh, if everything implodes. Uh, that's the thing with what's happening. Uh, things will only get better when things get really bad because politicians will always try to keep uh, the current game going i would say yeah and i was um talking to someone recently and he said the median voter is very important in terms of what you see happening in elections he said in 2016 it was sort of to, to the sort of center right and then now in 2020 and beyond the sort of the center left and as you said a lot of that spending could potentially exacerbate the issue and actually accelerate it if you know, you could say yeah. there's Labour in Australia. There could be Labour in the uh, in, in the UK. There's already left leanings in US as well. It'd be interesting to see. Well, and even uh, the Conservatives <laughs> here, they're 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 running the country like uh, as if they're socialists. So it's not much difference, but it could get worse with Labour. Even though I, I've seen statistics over the last seven years that say. Most of the national debt in the UK has grown under conservative government. So it's uh, it's tricky. Yeah, you could say that's just because they've been in power since <laughs> all the, with all the QE. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They have gone very popular. So, uh, you know, you mentioned precious metals as a good way to protect wealth. You also see, I guess, sort of other, I guess you could say, real assets protecting their wealth during this time. Or could there be, could, could they sort of go off the edge? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say gold and silver are like uh, hard money, right? And they're liquid. If things hit the fan, you can always exchange, especially silver, 
you know, for anything, I would say some people will argue that <laughs> people won't. But, uh, you know, if you have old, uh, you know, half crowns like I have, you know, that are silver or even like in Australia, if you have uh, uh, florins, like silver florins, they could come in handy. But in terms of other assets, yes, anything that has value uh, and, uh, yeah, is not currency that will be, uh, yeah, will always have some value, and, and uh, but might not be as liquid. For example, uh, an, a piece of uh, antique or a rare book or a fine watch, you might not be able to sell it when there's a huge crisis because people don't have uh, any currency. But uh, on the other side, they will still hold it, hold their value. The thing about gold and silver is that uh, they're liquid. You can always uh, exchange them. The other thing I would say is uh, if we do, and I think there's a good chance, of course, go through a, a crisis like a currency collapse, is to uh, be in a tight-knit community, be it like where you live or even like here, you know, you know on online, and be able to help each other. That's another thing. So it's good to have friends, I think, as well, not just uh, gold and silver and hard assets. Yeah, definitely. That that's really, really fascinating to think. So, um, you know, Mario, thank you so much for your time. I've really appreciated uh, the interview. So, sort of, my my last question is: What is one message you like listeners to take away from our conversation? Yeah, it might all sound really daunting and scary, but I would say don't let it scare you because this has happened, uh, and you can just look back, even uh, recently in other countries even like Argentina right now, they're going through 100%, I think, a month inflation. And yet they made it to the World Cup final in football. So it's not the end of the world. Don't let it scare you. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep plugging away. Yeah, I think relatively, they've actually like, uh, you could say the equity market has done quite well, which is quite surprising compared to the US dollar. So you could say there's, that could be, yeah. The equity market? Well, yeah, actually, the Argentinian equity market. Oh, well, it has it. I haven't looked at it. Yeah, yeah. and then Turkish as well. It's like it's quite interesting. It just shows you that mm. you know things can get really bad, but there's also potential opportunities oh, yeah. there. And it, but then yeah. the issue is if that were to happen to the whole world system, and that's where yeah you wouldn't. See and that. I guess uh, the Argentinians they've been used to it for years, so they, they, there are ways around it. I, I think uh, anyone in Argentina that has a bit of that is doing relatively well they will have dollars but if the dollar goes uh what are they gonna have maybe they they should think about gold yeah definitely and sorry i'll just one more question do you have any thoughts sort of on crypto and its potential to maybe uh get through this crisis well a, a lot of the crypto people now are like dividing uh there there's all they're dividing Bitcoin versus everything else. And they're saying Bitcoin is always going to be good. And the rest is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've always told my viewers that if you want to get involved in crypto, you can. I mean, it's a free market. And I, I don't try to push people either way. And uh, you just have to be aware of the volatility and the risk. Don't leverage because that that's what's happened. Uh, this uh, SBF, FTX exchange, and all the other exchanges. And and I've used a lot of uh, crypto exchanges because I post a lot of my videos on blockchain-based platforms like Steemit, 
Hive and DTube, and I earn those tokens. So a lot of times I go into exchanges to exchange those tokens for Ethereum or Bitcoin and eventually into pounds. And I see that you can trade futures, highly leverage, and you know that that's the problem. <laughs> Cryptos and Bitcoin are supposed to get you out of this uh, fiat leverage system, but they're uh, they've been infiltrated, uh, unfortunately, by greed and uh, like uh, they they've built like a fractional reserve crypto system, which is uh, what people are trying to get away from. Uh, Bitcoin, who knows? Uh, I mean, because uh, the price of Bitcoin is uh, heavily affected by Tether, in my opinion, and that could be the next uh, shoe to drop. But uh, yeah. Uh, I still stick to gold and silver because uh, they've been around for thousands of years. Uh, I'm not saying Bitcoin is not going to survive, but uh, uh, I feel I feel more uh, at peace. I sleep better at night having gold and silver rather than uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, you mentioned that the FTX it almost seems like a small example of what could happen during like a currency crisis or sort of like a collapse, doesn't it? Just just on a smaller scale. Mm, that's right. Yep. So Mario, thanks again. So if anyone wants to hear more about your work, we've mentioned your YouTube channel, which is really great. Is there anywhere else that you release stuff? Yeah. My YouTube tech channel is Maneco 64. And uh, no, that's where I publish all my uh, videos. Uh, I do publish it like on BitChute and Rumble and Hive and, and DTube. And I'm also on Twitter uh, at Maneco 64. Yeah. Perfect. I'll put that on the description below. Uh, so yeah, Mario, thanks again. Uh, you're welcome, Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you're notified when new podcasts are released. I hope you're leaving with some great value about investing, trading, and finance. See you on the next show.